0: Are you a mother, father or you are involved in caring for children? If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 a.m. for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Gbemi because it's informative, educative, and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour, the program for caring parents.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a fresh episode of Ask the Pediatrician Hour. I am Bimisola Boyde. I'm a pediatrician, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to today's broadcast on whichever platform you're watching from or listening to me. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to thank those of you watching me on Ask the Pediatrician's Facebook group or page uh thank you so much for joining us. And for those of you who are watching our YouTube channel, you are warmly welcome. We want to thank those of you who are listening to us on Fresh Waves Radio. As well as maybe watching us on the Fresh Waves Radio Facebook page, as well. You are welcome. I also want to appreciate this. If you're listening on the Ask, Ask Dr. Baby ACP podcast, uh, you're even watching some of you watch the video podcast as well. You are warmly welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, Ask the Pediatrician's Hour is a program brought to you by AXE, the Pediatricians Foundation, where we discuss important health issues that affect our children and how we, as parents, we can support our children. So thank you so much uh, for joining us today. I really want to appreciate you. And just to let you know that uh, if you have any questions about any topic that we discuss, you can always head over to our Ask the Pediatrician Facebook group, and you can post your questions there from Mondays to Saturdays, 24 hours daily. Myself and all my colleagues and our moderators, we are there to give you uh Prompt answer to your questions. And if you have any topic you would like us to talk about, feel free to send us an email on AskThePediatricians at gmail.com or Dr. Bimmy at Solar at AskThePediatricians.com as well. And we will try and also address this issue. You know, you can always listen to all the past episodes or watch them on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, or you can as well listen to them on the podcast as well. Thank you so much. And if you want live answers to your questions, you can join us on Mondays, 6 to 7 p.m. on Ask the Prediction Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube channel, and we'll be taking live questions and answers. So it's a pleasure to be here today and today i'm going to be talking about first aid care we do get a lot of questions from parents on our facebook group on all those platforms i've mentioned uh, where parents kind of don't know what to do when their child has any like medical issues or emergencies and they are kind of like, what do I do as a first step? Because sometimes things happen in the middle of the night or things happen and you just you know you need to do something first, even before you get to the hospital and you don't really know what to do. So what I'm going to be doing in this episode and if we can't finish with this broadcast today, because I got an hour, we'll take it uh, part two next week as well so we're going to be looking at the common issues that children can face at home and what you as a mother can do, or as a father as well, because as parents, you are the children's first doctors at home, and we expect you to know what to do as first aid before you come over to the hospital. I always encourage parents to take the first aid care courses. There are so many of them, and most of them are available online for free, and you don't have to pay anything, but it's good for you to know because sometimes the first aid care that a child receives before they get to the hospital may make a difference for them between life and death. It is as serious as that. So I really think that all people who are involved in child care, parents, uh, child minders, those of us who are pre-day nannies, we should go for the first aid course. We should know how to do basic first aid. So I'm always very surprised when I see questions and I'm like, parents don't know what to do in such instances. Uh, I felt it's not good enough. We can do better. We can learn. So we're going to just talk about some of these common issues that you may face as parents at home, common health issues, and what you can do about them before you held over to the hospital. But this is just like an introductory thing for you. I strongly recommend that you go online and just Google for first aid calls, free first aid calls. Uh, Many organizations run them. Some of them are available now online, and you can just do it and be well equipped in case of any emergencies. not only for your own children, but for other families as well, but today I'm just going to start looking at some of these common issues that virtually every parent will face at one point or the other, and how do you? deal with them. All right. So, the first thing we're going to talk about today is fever. Uh, I have some slides that i prepared earlier for another uh, program, but I'm going to use some of these slides, so don't worry about them. Uh, So, we're going to talk about fever. Fever is so common. What is fever? Fever for my uh, fellow um, parents and colleagues from Nigeria. Fever just means a child's body being hot because a lot of people just think in especially in Nigeria we always think fever means malaria fever does not always mean malaria fever just means the child has high body temperature and i always recommend that every parent every person who has a child at home should have a digital thermometer you should have your digital thermometer so that you can always check your children's temperature don't rely on your hand you know that's our typical traditional method when you feel people's either on the cheek or on the neck or on the tummy or the chest you feel like it's altered to your own and but sometimes there are reasons why your hand may not be accurate if you yourself you're feeling warm you may actually think it's other is well whereas you're the one feeling warm so it is possible f- um it to get it wrong so that's why we don't rely on your hand your hand just you know tells you first that maybe the body is ours but the more reliable way to know whether this child actually has fever or not it's for you to go grab your digital thermometer it's available it's so cheap there are things we should just have at home in our first aid box just have it somewhere most of them are battery operator you just put it on and you can read it they are digital we don't we don't longer use all those mercury ones that you're struggling to read it out and only maybe trained nurses and uh healthcare professionals can read this This we have the digital one so you put it in the, te- the reading comes up, it beeps, and then you can read it straight away. So, you should always have a digital thermometer. If you think your child is lost, just check with your thermometer. All right. So, now, why is it important for us to know what to do with first aid for fear? Because when your child is lost, sometimes you don't know, pick it up immediately, or some, you can't always rush to the hospital straight away, or even get to the hospital, we may still delay you a bit. So, it's always good to know what to do in terms of fever. And why we're interested in fever or, or why we need to know the first stage to, to when a child is having fever is because eye fever in some children can lead to them having what we call conversion. Um still so talk about what to do for conversion itself. So uh, the children start to check, and you know, they see even now they can fall and drop, so they start having convulsions because the fever is too high. And for those of you can see my slide, te- normal temperature is between 36.5 and 37.4, they're about or 37.5. Once it's beginning to get from 37.5 and above, then that child is hot, and when it's getting to like 39.40, that is very high fever. And those are the ones that if you don't do something about it, uh, it will lead to combustion. But remember that fever itself is not the uh, diagnosis. Fever just means the child's body is hot, but it's a sign or a symptom of something else going on. So this is a picture of a digital thermometer. Just an example of one, there are many of them, and during the COVID era, many of us were even more familiar with the uh, radio infrared ones that you can just, you don't even need to touch the child with it, you just, you know, shine it to their forehead, and you can read the temperature, but we also have this type that you can put either in the armpit, so you can put In the mouth, you know, just follow the instruction of uh, whichever uh, form of digital thermometer you have, or even if it's infrared one you have, whichever one, just follow the instruction and how to use it, and then you can read straight away. Usually, some of them have you have to put it on for like two minutes, or you will hear a beep when it has finished uh, calibrating and it has read the temperature of the child. And then you can look at it. So anything above thirty-seven point five is high. That's fever. So what is the first stage that we can do for fever? And remember that there are many things that can cause fever. Fever sometimes just means that the child is hot. The environment is hot. Especially if you are in the hot sun during the hot season, children can be hot because they are wearing all these layers of clothes, and or sometimes just need to take off those clothes. Sometimes fever can also be a sign of the dehydration. In children. Uh, so, but sometimes it also me a child is ill from things like malaria, from infections, and infection can be due to viruses or bacteria or parasites or fungal. There are many things that can cause infections. So fever can be the first sign you see in that. Sometimes children have taken immunization, they can also have fever as side effects. So some Serious or sinister causes of fever include things like cancers or other rare conditions, children with some immunosuppressive illnesses and like HIV, for example, they can have continuous persistent fever. So there are many, many, many causes of fever, but that is not the focus today. The focus today is what is the first aid? for fever. So if your child is having fever, what can you do? So that the child does not start having convulsion as a result of the high fever. That is what I'm going to really Talk about. Um, so, first thing for fever, the easiest thing to do if a child is hot is just take off the clothes. Some of you see when you come to the hospital and immediately come to the pediatrician's room or your doctor's room and they feel the child, the child is hot. or so the nurses are taking the vital signs and they, they can see the temperature is like through the roof already. The first thing they do is to start taking off the clothes of the child. So, that is the easiest thing to do. Just take off the clothes. So, I'm always surprised sometimes you see a child is boiling. I mean it's very hot. And then the parents are still wearing clothes and cover. the first thing the earth professionals would tell is like, just take off the clothes, take off the clothes. So Removing the clothes, the first thing you can easily do. So, if your child is having fever, that's only time to see keep wearing them layers, especially for the newborn babies. Some people believe they must always be clothed and everything, even when they are hot. No, you should take off their clothes. All so, right, that's the first thing. Sometimes just taking off their clothes and putting on your front or your AC, That's what we call exposing the child in medical jargons. It will just sometimes bring down the fever. If you remember all the process of heat loss, we land in phases, there's convection, there's conduction, there's uh, radiation as well. So just as them and the fresh air and breeze is blowing the child, it will take away some of the heat from the child and may lower the temperature. So that is the first thing as a first thing that you can do. Secondly, you can give the child a cool bath. Or what we call tepid sponge so a lot of people get teppy sponging wrong so we don't want you to use cold water it is not cold water neither is it hot water it is what we call normal tap water temperature in other words the way your water feels when you open your tap that is what it's, it says to be lukewarm it's not like cold like that will make the child to shiver and neither is it like all you know it's just warm, tepid. Uh, that's what we call it, or like tap water kind of level of temperature. And so you can give your child a bath with that. And when you do that, don't dry them off straight away. Just, you know, they can wear their pants and they allow the heat to circulate around them and it will take off some of those temperature and, I mean, some of the heat and the fever. And in that process, sometimes the temperature will begin to drop. Alright? Or if you don't want to charge off a bath, you can just get like a and to well, or face to well, put it in the same tap temperature level kind of water, and then squeeze it out a bit, not completely, a little bit. There must be some water inside, and then you just dab it on the child's body like that. Dab it, and then let some water remain as you're doing that. And then you, it's, it's a very tedious process. You keep doing it and keep doing it, and the temperature will be falling down and um, it will be coming down. So, and sometimes when you're doing that, you you also use your thermometer to check whether the temperature is coming down. So you can either expose the child and you cannot tap the sponge and you can do the two together. So each of this method is not like, okay, when I'm doing this, I don't have to do that. Sometimes you have to do all the three or all the four, depending on how high, especially if the child is having very high fever, like 39, 40, and you really, really need to crash that fever before the child starts conversing. So you can expose... Quickly give a cool bath or a tepid sponge, and of course you can also give uh, what we call antipyretics. Antipyretics are drugs that reduces fever. The commonest, of course, is paracetamol, so you can give paracetamol for it to reduce the fever sometimes you can also give things like ibuprofen so it will you know I, these are things we should always at home you should always have paracetamol at home as a mom as a dad as caregivers of children we should always have paracetamol it can be syrup it can be tablets we must always have paracetamol at home and don't worry i don't know the weight of the child do i know the dose just follow the age guide okay if they say it's this six months or two years, give five meals. Just follow the age guide when you are under that, that kind of pressure. But if you are a mom that is small, knowledgeable, and you know how to calculate the weights and the dose and all that, you can do that. So if you can ask and ask the pediatricians and we can really work it out for you as well. But don't worry about that. Just follow whatever recommendation is written on the pack, or like based on the age of the child. There's always something on the pack on the age of the child and the dose of paracetamol that you should give so first it for fever reduce uh take off the clothes expose the child to can tap a sponge or give the cool bath and of course you can also give paracetamol exposing them you can use the fine you can use the ac all these are methods by which you can use to bring down fever in children and of course you check the temperature and when you're giving drugs to press someone remember that you can actually give it more than once you can actually give it every four hours but usually i would parents every six hours so in other words it's not that you give one and then that's it for the whole day no you can actually repeat it every six hours and each time you give you are checking the temperature to see whether it is coming down or not so these are ways by which you can reduce the fever before you go to the hospital to now see a doctor who will investigate to know the cost of the fever and treat the underlying cause of the fever so that is how to manage a child who is having fever i've written my slides for those who so can see how to calculate the dose of the paracetamol but like i said the easiest is just follow whatever is recommended for the age of the child because usually at that time you are most men are, are panicky and all that, so I don't want you to get... That's not the time to start f- racking your brain. how oh, is, is it 15 milligram? Is it 10 milligram? Don't worry. Just follow the dose recommended. And please, if you are giving paracetamol drops versus if you are giving paracetamol syrup, they are not the same thing. The dose, uh, the concentration of... Uh, the 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 way it is formulated are different so for example most paracetamol drugs actually have 100 milligram of paracetamol in one meal 100 milligram in one meal whereas most paracetamol syrup have 120 milligram in five meals so it's a lot so usually for babies newborn babies that take the drops they only need very little drops of the paracetamol whereas for the all the children, let's see, from three months and above, when you give them Parastemol syrup, they, they take a larger volume, but they are still getting the same. The, the amount of milligram. will still be the same. So you have to be very careful if you are giving drops, if you are giving syrup, so that you don't give the wrong, too much of it. We don't want to give too much of Parastemol as well, because Parastemol can damage liver if it's given excessive dosage. So you can use Parastemol, you can use Ibuprofen what we don't recommend you use is acetyl salicylate, or what you people, um, uh, what's commonly sold has a fencic or uh, uh, which other brand name. Um, uh, I I can't remember the other name, but I'll remember later, but it's acetyl salicylate. Uh, So please, you should avoid hearsay in children because Uh, Some children can uh, have a severe reaction to it and have what we call rice syndrome where they have what we call like excessive liver failure because you give them depending on the kind of illness they have you don't give them ascetic Silic has said you know you don't want to give that so you don't want to give things like fancy i think that girl or something like that there are different brand names of of it but just avoid uh that at all in children okay avoid them as much aspirin here. Yes, aspirin is the name I was looking for. Avoid aspirin. Avoid uh, things like that in children. Please give them mostly paracetamol or ibuprofen for fever. And that's how to reduce fever. Okay. And remember that reducing the fever is just a temporary measure. Uh, the most important thing is to address the underlying cause of the fever. Okay, and so that's why you should take the child to the hospital. And most of us, you know, we re- we listen to that common advice that all these first-time advice that they give on the TV and they say if the symptoms I single, we have to wait for two days and <laughs> go and see your doctor. Some of us think it is just a... They are just saying it for saying it's it's a very important thing. So if your child has fever and you're trying to bring it down, you didn't hold the cool, but usually most of the the temperature will come down, but it can come up again and you give the paracetamol. So if it keeps coming back again, like after one day, the second day, the fever is still there, you need to take the child to the hospital. And, uh, yeah, or if the fever is even very high from day one, like 39, 40, you still have to go to the hospital. No matter what else you have done to bring down the fever, you need to take the child to the hospital and let the doctor have a quick evaluation of the child so that they can treat uh, the underlying cause of the fever. It's so, so important that we don't... Enjoy. I, I'll see people tell me, my child has been having fever for one week. And I'm like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> what else are you waiting for before you decide to take this child to the hospital? So the child is having fever for more than 24 hours. Please go to the hospital. Even though the fever is coming down when you give paracetamol, it's coming down when you give tepid sponging or you do all those things, but you still have to take the child to the hospital for proper evaluation and treatment. All right. So um, I'm going to stop with fever. There, but it's one of the most common uh issues that children have, and it is one that all parents should know what to do, all right? So don't start treating each other with anti-malaria or antibiotics, which is what most parents do. Actually, okay, for those who are listening to me in Nigeria, it's wrong. Don't abuse drugs. You don't know what is causing the fever. So don't just start treating it. Most important thing is to break down the fever first. Once you bring down the fever, then go to the hospital and let the doctor do their examination, then do their own test, and then they can treat the cause of the fever now let's go to the second thing which i want to talk about and that is diarrhea diarrhea is also a very common uh, issues that children do have. Uh, sometimes it comes with vomiting as well. Um, so what are the first aid treatment for diarrhea before you go to the hospital? Uh, sometimes when it comes with vomiting, most people always ask, what can we do to stop vomiting? The honest truth is that there's nothing you can do at home to stop vomiting. If a child is vomiting, watch them. You can still give the same treatment like for diarrhea, but if the vomiting persists or they, are, they can't even drink the ORS and they're vomiting the ORS. You just have to take them to the hospital because most of the things we use we to stop vomiting is not something that as parents you can do at home. So we usually uh have to see the child in the hospital. So vomiting, that's not fested. Don't go give don't go and be giving all those drugs like uh, fenigan you know, claw and Fenirami. Fen- Fen- Many parents just say, well, look, go and give that. Don't I've seen children collapse, you know, from vinegar, and they died. And that's that's how bad the idiosyncratic reaction, you know, that is a reaction that you you can't explain. That is 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 something that can just happen to some people. That's how bad it is. So, we, it's not a drug that we want parents using. It's a drug that even some of us as pediatricians are very very reluctant to use. So, when I see parents just using it with so much impunity i kind of i'm shaking like really you know so please don't be using fennigan or giving any of those drugs that is vomiting you have to go to the hospital there's no other 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 first aid it's hospital for vomiting that is persistent you have to go to the hospital all right so for diarrhea diarrhea number one means passing water, stools. water stools that uh uh, more than three times a day. All right, we count it as diarrhea. The reason why I need to define diarrhea is that some children, some ask us questions and say, "Oh, my child is passing lots of stools." and Uh, what can I give, and sometimes I give you all the usual things. I'm going to tell you not to give at the end of this section. All right. So please, a child passing stool five, six, seven times a day does not automatically mean the child has diarrhea. The child has to pass water stool. And you see that when you have this kind of question in our group, the first question we're always asking you, if you have not included, is that what is the texture? What is the nature of the stool? All right. So the child, so parents tend to use the word stooling, stooling. And when you're asking questions, don't just say my child is stooling. How many times and what is the texture? So even if your child passed stool 20 times, as long as the stools are not watery, It is not diarrhea, and it is not abnormal. I know parents find that hard to take in, but it is not. As long as the stools are not watery, it is not diarrhea. And when we say watery, it means it looks like water, like urine. Like you can pour it, it will take the shape of a container. Or if your child is wearing nappy, it will sink through the nappy like urine. That is what diarrhea is. But if your child is passing, because some babies, uh, newborn babies especially, and some... Other children, they pass tools that are soft, you know, it's it's not like thick solid like adult home, but they are soft stool, but they are still not watery stool. Those still don't count as uh, diarrhea. Okay, so diarrhea has to be like watery and it has to flow or take the shape of a container or. Sink into the diaper or nappy, and it's more common than three times a day. Uh, Also, sometimes we see if it is very like explosive, watery one, we would even take one of those. But most of the normal watery one, the child must have passed it three times a day for you to say this is diarrhea. And uh, unfortunately, diarrhea is one of the leading killers of our children, which should never happen okay? Diarrhea should not kill children, but I can tell you, a, a lot of mothers have come to my inbox and told me, oh, my child just passed in diarrhea, and before you it, the child is dead, and they're always, like, so surprised, and so shocked, and, you know, I feel so bad for parents when they come to miss me like that, and, you know, it's like, you you think it's something so simple, something not so big, and most of parents are sitting, you know, like, some of my Nigerian Yoruba People will say it's a Beijing, like it is teething, causing it, and they are not taking it serious. And before you know, the child is dead. So children can easily die from diarrhea, and diarrhea is the leading cause of death in under five children in Africa, sub-Saharan Africa. And the reason is because parents don't use the right first aid for diarrhea, or they take it with uh, something not to worry about as something trivial. We take it as something trivial. It is not, diarrhea is a killer. So diarrhea can kill children. So we really need to know how to do first day for diarrhea. In fact, most times you only need to treat diarrhea at home because what keeps children in diarrhea is not the fact that the child is passing watery stool. it is the water and the electrolyte that the child is losing. And children can easily lose so much water and electrolytes that they become dehydrated and they can go into shock, you know, and they can die from that. So the most important thing in diarrhea, which is the first state is to replace what the child is losing okay no most parents times we focus on the uh how do i stop the diarrhea? How do I no don't focus that's not the point the diarrhea can go on sometimes you can't stop them they will go on for as long as the it will take the virus to run its course which can be up to 10 to 14 days so that is not the problem There's no, we don't recommend all these drugs to stop diarrhea. We don't especially recommend them in children. The most important thing, it is not the diarrhea that's going to kill the child. It is the dehydration. It is the loss of the water, loss of electrolytes. That is what is going to kill the child. So as long As we are replacing that water and the electrolyte that the child is losing, the child is not going to die, no matter how long the diarrhea lasts for. As long as you're replacing that water and the electrolytes, there's nothing going to happen to the child. So the focus, the primary focus is rehydration. Rehydration, replacing that water and those electrolytes. And the easiest way to do it is to give what what we all are familiar with, oral rehydration solution you know is available you can make it by yourself we just need common stuff every home always have sugar and salt it is like common thing that we all always have at home. So if you don't even have the ORS sachet that they uh, they are selling in the shops, in the pharmacy, in even your normal supermarket, they will sell ORS. If you don't have it, you can make your salt and your sugar at home. You can use it to make your own salt-sugar solution, which is a close equivalent, and give it to the child. As long as we are replacing that. So, always separating so again, just like having your your digital thermometer so we should always have ors at home you should always have it there are some things you should always have at home you know you must have it in your aid box your paracetamol your digital thermometer your ors you must always have it at home but if you, if you don't have the ors you can have your salt and your sugar but you must know how to mix it so that you can but if the ors is easier for you so you just take the sachet it usually goes into one liter of water so you can use boil your water and measure. Most of us have all these cups that have uh, graduation on them, so you know what one liter is. If you don't, if you are not sure, um are some bottles you have at home that you can use to work out one liter. Like some of these. Um, Ever bottle, it's 1.5 liters, so if you decant it to the first line on the neck, it will give you one liter. Or if you boil, if some of us have our soft drink bottles like Fanta or Coke, some of them are 35C, some of them are 50C. If you wash them very well first, then uh, rinse them thoroughly, then use them to measure out your water and boil the water, cool it again, you can get your but. Just have your cups or even your baby's bottle. They all have some measurements on them. So just make sure it's one liter of water and one sachet of the ORS. Mix it together, shake it very well, and let the child be drinking it. You can give it with spoon for the younger children. You can give it with cup, and there's no overdose. The child can drink as much as they want. But usually we recommend that you finish one bottle, in 24 hours. So if you don't finish a one bottle in 24 hours, you need to make a fresh one. Don't use it more than 24 hours. So you must know how to make the ORS. If you don't have the ORS, you can use 10 cubes of sugar and one uh, teaspoon of salt, level teaspoon of salt, and add it to 700 to 600 to 700 mils of water and then that's how you mix it and give it a try. It will taste like tea or like coconut water, you know, so that's how to make your ORS. If you don't have cube sugar, you can use 10 table, 10 level tablespoon of sugar, one level teaspoon of salt. Please note that the tablespoon is for sugar, the teaspoon is for salt. It's so important so that we don't mix it up. So but to so avoid all this confusion, just buy your ORS. And you, so you can either make it so you can use your whole rice. It's so important that we just give, let the child be drinking. Let the child be drinking. You know, even if it's just one spoon at every. You know, there's a way we pediatrician will calculate the quantity of water the child can drink and all that. But for parents, I, I don't show really anything. You need to stress yourself. Just let the child drink as much. If your child is saying, "I'm thirsty." That means that child is dehydrated. You need to let the child drink more. If your child is not thirsty, you know, just drink. Anytime the child passes watery stool again, give more of the O.R.S. Let the child be drinking more of the O.R.S. As long as the child is rehydrated, you know, it's better than ordinary water. So sometimes some parents just give ordinary water because the child is not losing just only water. The child is losing the electrolytes, so it is not appropriate to just use only water. For the, it's okay to drink the water as well, but in addition, the child is best to drink ORS or, or uh, salt sugar solution so that the child is also getting back some electrolytes, the sodium, the chloride, and even the glucose from the uh, sugar. So the child needs all that. So that's what we need to give. Or you can even use your, like, if you. Some people cook rice, the water on top of your rice, and they, you put salt in that rice. You can also give it coconut water so you can use it. There are so many things, other close fluid. The most thing is that the child must be rehydrated as much as possible. So, after it's two, if your child is less than two years old, you can give them half a cup. The child is between two and 10 years old, you can give them one cup. For 10 year old, they can drink as much. As they like, so the most important thing is to rehydrate the child. That's the that's a first aid care for diarrhea at home. So always, have, if you are in, in some shops and some skater places these days, they will sell oral sink with the O.R.S. In other words, whenever you're buying oral sync, there's right? Whenever you're buying aura sync, there's the oral sink that comes with it. You can also give the child that. But more importantly, please make sure you give. ORS, all the social solution. Don't give them juice or fizzy drinks, Coke, Fanta, all those things. Those uh, soda drinks, avoid that, you know, uh, at that time. And some people say, oh, the child is having diarrhea, let's not give food because giving food will make the child to Pass more water through. So that is a wrong error. That's an error. The child actually need to eat more food. All right, but don't give food that's uh, spicy, that's too uh, flavored, that's uh, what we call high of smoothie load and all that. Give the child things that child will be able to tolerate, like your plain, power, plain, you know, food, not too so, uh, difficult for the child to eat. So you can give that, but please do not staff the child. The child needs to eat more and please do not give them drugs to stop diarrhea things like people will go and give dia stop um tetracycline all those things please do not give children do not attempt to stop diarrhea in children is a very dangerous thing to do all right today's my first day so i'm not going to emphasize this more if you want to know more i think we've done a old uh session on broadcast on diarrhea itself you may want to listen to that or you may want to read on our website about home treatment of diarrhea and explanation for that but please do not give children all these drugs yesterday a mother was asking a question because her child was having diarrhea she wants to give flagell metronidazole, which again is something we should not be doing that's an abuse of antibiotic and in the process, she went to end up giving the child a uh, another drug. I think a drug for blood pressure. So please, some of these drugs we just like to give children is wrong. And I know in Nigeria, it's almost like a an epidemic. Like when people, people just give flagyl, unless you are even going to overeat or so you are going to go to a party, people will say just take your metronidazole flaggy before or after. This is abuse of antibiotics so please do not give children antibiotics at all when they have diarrhea antibiotics can only be given if the child is passing blood in the stool or you know or if there's other infection that is a doctor that has to prescribe it it's not part of your first state as a mother the only thing we want you to give as a mother is ors or sugar solution or just water or, like any of those, home like weak tea, like uh, uh, rice water, and all those things, you can also give that as well. But please do not give all those dangerous drugs Lomo tea, diastop, tetracycline, flagging. Please, Septrain, don't, 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 do not give it. It's a very dangerous practice. Just remember diarrhea or rice, diarrhea or rice. And when you're giving your children ORs and SSS, all the liquid, you must also be aware Oh, you know, these are what we call first aid care. So there's a point where you have to say go to the hospital in direct. So you should know when to go to the hospital in direct the, the first one, which most parents sometimes take for granted, is if your child is not drinking the ORS, if your child is not able to drink the ORS, or your child is vomiting it, you have to go to the hospital. As I've stated earlier, there is no first aid for vomiting at home. There is none. So, you just have to take that child to the hospital. So, if your child is having diarrhea and it's not able to drink, some children don't like to drink the ORS, they don't like the taste. We've tried to find solutions to that. We have ORS that are flavored, we have orange flavor, banana flavor. So, you can use some of those flavored ones as for children that don't drink the normal ORS. But if your child is not able to drink, any of them whether flavored not flavored the salt sugar social child is not able to drink at all or the child is vomiting them then you have to go to the hospital there is nothing else you have to do because like I said there are many children millions are still dying from diarrhea every year under the age of five, why because of this? Because people would think, Oh, diarrhea is something so simple, something so trivial, but it's killing children. And why is it killing children? Because when a child is having diarrhea and is not able to drink or is vomiting, somebody is just there looking at the child until the child dies instead of them taking the child to the hospital. Because if the child is able to drink through the mouth or the child is vomiting the liquid uh, that we give through the mouth, we have no choice than to pass in the they re- to rehydrate the child to passing the fluid through the veins. So, we have to do what we call intravenous rehydration. Sometimes we, we try sometimes to do in but sometimes we just have to pass, set up a line, set up something that can deliver the fluid into the child's blood. Because, like I said, what is going to kill that child is not the so easy dehydration so we have to replace what the child is losing so a child who is not able to drink a child who is vomiting that child needs to go to the hospital if your child is so thirsty even despite all your worries the child is always i'm sick that means the child is already is already dehydrated maybe moderately dehydrated or the child is becoming unconscious drowsy the child is not responding again that child is going into shock you know, if there's a change in the way the child is responding, you have to go to the hospital. Please don't say I'm still giving worries. No, that one is gotten to the stage where doctors have to intervene. All right. If there's blood in the stool, if there's fever, you have to take the child to the hospital. If the if the diarrhea is going for more than three days and it's still so much, and you are not you know, you are not seeming to be making egg dweel, the child is dehydrated, the child is sick, the child is weak. You have to take the child to the hospital so you must know when to take the child to the hospital and when your child is having diarrhea please pay attention to hygiene washing your hands when you're making your ORS. i've already said change your ORS after every 24 hours and all that please don't stop breastfeeding the children please boil the drinking water please take your rotavirus vaccine your measles vaccine these are things that protect children against diarrhea so most important thing for us to remember when it comes to diarrhea is rehydration you must as the tide is passing out the water the, through the diarrhea you have to replace it so whether it's ORS, whether it's salt sugar solution you must replace the child is losing so we've talked about fever we've talked about diarrhea so i'm going to talk about one more thing and the first state care for her home and i think i'm going to come back next week to do the part two because there's not enough time to handle all of them so let's talk about cough and cancer because that's another one that many parents do access cough and colds is so common, especially during certain season, during the rainy season, or uh, in 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 those who live outside uh, the tropic environment during their winter and other. So children tend to have a lot of colds, a lot of colds, and parents sometimes don't know what to do. Sometimes the children nose are blocked. Sometimes they're struggling to breathe because of the cough and the colds. So what are the first aid things that you can do at home for your child who is having cough and cold? Let's start by saying that most cough and colds are due to viruses. They are caused by viral infections. So the, in, the importance of knowing that is that most of them don't need any drugs they don't need any antibiotics because actually in Africa, Nigeria, we tend to abuse antibiotics a lot because we have ease of access. to so Anybody can walk into any shops and buy any antibiotic they like, which is not possible in other countries. So I'm hoping our pharmacist colleagues, they're, they're working hard and I hope they keep working hard so that we don't let parents have access to antibiotics unless it has been prescribed by a that, so that is the I, that is how it should be in the in normal situation so it's a situation where parents just go in and they bind things like augmenting like you and they use it like pure water it's not good we are ending up creating what we call antibiotic resistance and we are not developing many more antibiotics so if your child our children are resistant to this common antibiotics then when they are really sick and need those antibiotics it may not work for them and then we're in trouble because if, we don't, if the child is not responding to the common antibiotics, we have to go for the more expensive one. And sometimes children are not responding, then we have nowhere to go. So please don't strain don't your children with just giving them antibiotics irresponsibly. Please parents, let's use antibiotics only if it is prescribed by a pediatrician. I'm saying that with all sense of responsibility and I'm pleading with us to us, because some of us don't uh, take don't see it as, as serious. Antibiotic resistance is an epidemic, is something we we have no arsenal to fight. Because once we get to a point where it is is not resistant to antibiotics, we have something else we can do is it can be death sentence so please let your children not be used to antibiotics so that when they have when they not have need of antibiotics we can use simple antibiotics like amoxicillin and they will respond not that some parents use things like augmenting in that these are very uh high level antibiotics that should not be used routinely with for if common community infections so please let's avoid using antibiotics for cough and cold and cancer just because we have access to them. Most of them are due to viruses, so they don't need any antibiotics, okay? Most of them are going to run their course. So most viral infections don't need any drugs. They will run their course, and they will stop. They will go by themselves. So usually for things like that, what we do in medicine is what we call symptomatic management. In other words, you just support the child while waiting for the thing to go by itself. So um, focus, let's focus, for cover and concern. the problem is to make the child comfortable. So let's make sure they are drinking enough water, okay? Let's make sure that they are well hydrated. Uh, sometimes uh, some children have like blocked the the concern for the babies. They, they cannot really help themselves much. So for the older children, they tend to sneeze and when they sneeze, the, all the mucus will flow out, which we can clean, and then they can breathe well. But for the, so the baby, sometimes they cannot easily Help themselves to get how the thick mucus. So for them, sometimes we can put in what we call like saline. The normal saline, saline drops. It's the, the goal of the saline drop is not a drop to stop the catar of the cough. It's just something to soften the thick mucus that is blocking the nose so that it will flow out, and then the child can breathe. And then the child will be fine. So, a lot of parents, Dr. Boy, the they have used a lot of um, saline drops, the cats is there, and I'm like, yeah, the cats will go by itself. The saline drops is not the drugs to treat your cats. A lot of parents also rely on giving vitamin C. There's nothing wrong with giving vitamins. C. Vitamin C is a vitamin that children need, but it's not like a cure or a treatment. Vitamin C is just Uh, one of those vitamins that strengthen the body's immune system to fight against all these uh, viruses anyway. So ideally, we should have been eating a lot of our fruits and veggies so that the children would have the vitamin C already. So it's not only when they now have COVID and cata, we'll now start overdosing or overloading them with vitamin C. They should eat normally. They should eat their fruits and their veggies, and then they will get their daily supply of vitamin C, in, even from the food. But if you are not sure your children are eating the veggies and the vegetables and the fruits, then if you want to, you know, be sure, then it's okay to give the vitamin C. Please just follow the dose written on it, don't just keep giving too much dose of it. Luckily, vitamin C is water soluble, so children will pass out any excess in the urine all right so but the most important thing is let the children be well hydrated let's have them clear their nose of any blocked mucus we can put saline drops some do steam inhalation um, Steam inhalation is fine but the challenge with that is hot water and children don't mix very well Hot water and children don't mix very well i've seen a lot of cases of bones in even in newborn babies as small like newborn babies having hot water bones is and it's it's horrible so because of that i'm not a fan of of promoting or sim inhalation because parents have to be very careful and sometimes sometimes parents are so overwhelmed and we we are not paying uh, much attention and students can easily pour all this water on themselves. So if you have to do it, please be mindful of the need to be very, very careful so that your children don't, you don't start recovering and end up with all water bonds It's more, all water bonds is more dangerous or more, um, more, <laughs> more challenging to deal with than a child who is just having other recover and cancer. So because of that, I'm very careful. Uh, seeing hot water bones now, a lot of parents like to go use cough syrups and a uh, healthy, uh, so called and uh, cater syrup as well. Uh, we don't recommend most of them, as especially for the, our children below the age of one. Uh, I, even, I will even go for that and say below the age of two. Children who cannot tell us how they're feeling, children who are not talking, it's very dangerous. Loading those children with cough syrup. Cough syrup is not the treatment for the cough. All right. So what cough syrup does is to suppress the cough, and sometimes they even suppress the breathing of children. So which is a dangerous thing because children are what we call obligates needs nas breathers. You know, children needs to. To, to breathe, and we don't want anything suppressing that breathing. And they have to breathe through their nose. And so if you give them drugs that make them drowsy, that makes them uh, suppress their breathing and all that, they can go into what we call respiratory failure, and you won't even know it. Again, that's why some children die from pneumonia. So if a child is having cough and it's not going, and they are not having difficulty with breathing with it, they are not having fast breathing with it, they are not having fever with it, you need to take them to the hospital because it may not be those viral infections. This child will be having pneumonia. But if you are giving them cough syrup, And all the number one, you suppress the cough itself. Number two, you suppress the respiration, and then you don't pick up because this child cannot tell you that I'm having chest pain or I'm struggling to breathe. They can't talk; they are not verbal. So you will miss some of the early signs. That tells you that this child may be having pneumonia, that you need to take this child to the hospital. This child will need antibiotics. You may miss it because you are very comfortable that, okay, I've given cop syrup. The child is not coughing again. The fact that the child is not coughing much because of your cough syrup does not mean that it is uh, all well and good. It may actually mean there's something more serious going on. So please do not give cough syrup to children. All right. So if your child is coughing, let them be hydrated. Um and keep them warm if they are cold. If your child is already hot, don't keep them warm because a lot of people are like, oh, my child is already sweaty and all that. How do I keep them warm? The, you know, the advice to keep children warm is for if the child is cold. So like you can feel the extremities are cold, their legs are cold, maybe because the weather is, you know, a, you know, temperature is low, then that is when you keep warm. You can wear them extra layers of clothes to keep them warm and all that, but not, you can give them warm food, warm everything. But that's not to say, child who is already sweating. You will not go and wear them uh, sweater and all that, make them sweat and have it rashes. Please, no. I believe we are, we all know what to do as sensible parents that we have. So please be very careful. But no cups syrup, no... Um, there are some syrup that has been sold for cancer and also, uh, no, we don't recommend that, so don't do that. So, but if your child is having cough, fever, fast breathing, uh, then you need to take your child to the hospital, because pneumonia, again, is another killer of our children. So, and it starts on how we cough, but the way we know a child is having pneumonia is that they breathe fast, and sometimes they they are struggling to breathe. They are making this, what we call a uh, like, uh, you know, grunting sounds when they're breathing and all that. So when we start seeing fast breathing, fever, difficulty with breathing, and, you know, you see their nose flaring, you see some holes in the Next, signs of what we call respiratory distress, then that's when you need to take them to the hospital and not just to assume, oh, it is the cough or viral infection, cough or viral infection, most of them within two weeks, the children are fine and the children are otherwise well. They are having their kata and cough, but they are otherwise well, playing, eating well. They are well, even though with the cough and the kata, they are not like... Very sick. So, if a child is very sick, having fever, having cough, struggling or coughing to the point that they are vomiting, you know, and all that, because we've had a wave of uh, diphtheria and some of these other uh, vaccine preventable kind of respiratory infection recently. So, if a child is very ill with the cough and the catheter, with the fever, with the fat, please, those are not the ones that are going to go by themselves. Those are when you need to take. The child to the hospital. All right. I'm going to stop here. Uh, so uh this is part one of the first aid care. So I've talked about what are the first aid care for fever, first aid care for uh diarrhea, and first aid care for cover and colds. And I've told us there's no first aid care for vomiting. If a child is vomiting persistently, you have to take them to the hospital. So thank you so much for listening to that. Uh, like I said, you can Ask your questions on our Facebook group. You can read some of these things on our website and you can watch it again or you can listen on my podcast as well. So if we are bearing in mind these first aid things and we practice them, you know, our children will be fine. And remember, I also recommend that as parents, we go for all these first aid courses. I do share links for them on our Facebook group. And if you just Google them, I'm sure you will see. Most of them are free because knowing what to do, knowing first aid care is something that can make a difference between life and death. So it is something that we all should know. And so I'm just focusing on the ones, on the common issues, in children and so if you're just joining us please make sure if you're watching this as a a rebroadcast or you know later on after the lives please make sure you listen to it from the beginning so you know what to do if your child has fever if your child has diarrhea if your child has cough and colds this thing should not be killing our children if we are doing the right thing next week i'm going to talk to us about what to do When our children have convulsions, when our children have falls, injuries, accident at home, when our children accidentally take things they should not take, accidental poisons. Those are the things I will talk about in this part two of this uh, first aid care for children. Thank you so much for listening and if you still have questions you can post on our group or you can email me at drminisola at com. So that come your way again next time uh, same platform Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful day and keep making our children healthy.
0: Are you a mother? father or you are involved in caring for children. If yes, then listen to Ask the Pediatricians every Thursday by 10 AM for insightful discussion on popular child health topics such as dangerous child health practices, immunization, infant feeding, developmental milestones and so much more. You also get to ask questions on these topics and listen to answers to real-life child health issues by a pediatrician. Ask the Pediatricians Foundation is devoted to health education and information of parents and caregivers of children in the community to support you in raising healthy children. Don't miss Ask the Pediatricians with Dr. Gumi because it's informative, educative, and interactive. Ask the Pediatricians Hour, the program for caring parents.